0: A new episode of Expanding Horizons. It has certainly been a while since we've done one of these podcasts. As usual, I'm your host, LB, and joining me is CT. Hey there. So normally when there's a gap between expanding horizons episodes, it's usually because I'm the one who's dragging my feet on being able to complete whatever was recommended to me. In this case, though, it's the other way around, It because you ended up watching your series with someone else, right?
1: How dare you accuse me of delaying, sir? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I did. I, I don't normally watch with uh, folks, or at least in tandem and, uh, chatting about it. Uh, in this case, I think we both ended up watching with other people, but the person who you were watching with, uh, uh as far as I could tell was just, you know, speeding through at a, uh, lightning pace. So, uh, so that is not always the case with, uh, with me, but uh, when I get a chance to watch with other people, I like to at least take advantage of it. It makes the experience a bit better. So.
0: Yep, not a worry. But, so, the series that we're going to be talking about on this episode are pretty different from each other. For CT, this time around, he watched the series Black Butler, and I watched the series Tenchi Muyo. We both watched about five cores worth of anime for our respective series, give or take uh but we're gonna go ahead we're gonna start with black butler more because we this one is going to be a little more straightforward and also it's because it's something that i enjoyed quite a bit and i'm really looking forward to discussing this with you so before we get into our opinions and the nitty-gritty tell us about black butler what is this series about
1: Uh, If you just stopped with tell us about Black Butler, I could have done a yes, my lord. But, uh, alright. Black Butler is, uh, based in Victorian era England, and surprisingly is not something that is Sherlock Holmes based in Victorian era England, which is usually whenever you have that, you gotta have something Sherlockian. Uh, the main two characters of this series are a 13-year-old Earl, I suppose his actual nobility rank is, uh, named Ciel phantom Phantomhive. He is the sole remaining heir to a Phantomhive fortune and uh, company that is still running. Uh, he became uh, the sole heir, not You know, by his own will, uh, but by very, very dramatic events that happened a few years prior. And uh, uh, I believe when we're starting is when he's kind of come out. He disappeared for a few years after these traumatic events, which unfold during the course uh, of it and has sort of come back into uh, fold One of the things that is revealed about uh, this particular child who isn't very childish uh, is that he serves as uh, the queen's dog, as it were, a uh, guardian, a a member of uh, the underworld, as it were, to take care of certain problems, to solve certain mysteries, Uh, and uh, to protect uh, uh, the Queen and her interests. And uh, the reason that this particular title is what it is, is uh, Ciel has a uh, very interesting manservant, a butler named Sebastian, who uh, he did not grow up with, who is not a member of the Phantom Hive Manor? Uh, this butler was acquired during these dramatic events a few years earlier, uh, and has a very particular bond with uh, CL that uh, that they are are searching to write. Wrongs that were made uh, at the time to enact vengeance upon the uh, people who uh, killed his parents uh, by any means necessary. And uh, very quickly you uh, become aware that uh, Sebastian is. While he is an amazing butler and uh, talented and competent in all ways and uh, refined and regal, uh, it's also very quickly uh, uh, evident that uh, he is also very supernatural and uh, very demonic. Uh, (laughs) And that, of course... (laughs) The, the amount of supernaturalism that starts leaking in right away is, uh, it, it's a little weird, the manner in which it, uh, comes into place. You're, you're aware of it, uh, you kind of think that the series is going to veer in one particular direction, but it tends to have fun steering all around the place, uh, Definitely, I was not sure what to make of it outside of the, you know, the image. I knew a, the general concept of it from the outside. I knew it was an ongoing manga series. Um, I knew it would be dark in certain ways. I wasn't quite uh, uh aware of how much it would steer into sort of dark fantasy and dark comedy oftentimes uh, uh, you know very much simultaneously. So uh, the uh, as you start expanding the cast out from them, the members of their household are extremely peculiar uh the the types of events that they get themselves involved in. Um, There's a running plot line of Ciel who is seeking vengeance, but what he has to deal with here and there is he's very put upon by the world. Uh, in that he has his, you know, particular objective, but the the amount of weirdos and situations that uh, he gets himself in while he is attempting to basically uh, uh, enact his vengeance and sell his soul to the devil is <laughs> stymied by a uh, weird at most every turn, and they have a lot of fun with it.
0: Right on. So yeah, so that's the basic idea behind the franchise as a whole. Um, so you mentioned that you had some experience with it you knew of the general idea behind it uh before you started watching it so i'm curious uh, now that you've watched through let's go ahead let's just take it bit by bit rather than try to
1: squeeze around Yeah, yeah
0: rather than try to just squeeze it all in at once um so with season one, the series is pretty anime original from what I understand. The story veers away from the manga pretty early on.
1: I was going to ask how much or if any of the manga you had read. I was going to wait for later because it feels like a whole lot of the the anime takes the core concept and will grab arcs here and there and stories here and there but it tends to be doing its own stuff through season one season two i, I assume book of circus is you know a, a popular arc from the manga the, that one was followed more rigidly but it it feels like an awful lot of the anime was doing its own thing uh, yeah, to a larger actually, degree than normal. Actually,
0: from what I understand, I've read some of the manga. I haven't read a whole lot of it. Uh but the anime started doing its own thing after episode 6.
1: Okay. Right. So it had the setup which would be pretty normal. And I guess that would also have the uh what is it? The 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 Madam Red Arc, I assume. Yeah, that was, was, was in pretty fateful
0: to the manga.
1: But then, when you uh, when you start getting into uh, Angela and uh, a lot of the other stuff, the uh, and I, I gather what uh, the plotline running through with involving the the queen and the uh, and the resolution of uh, the second core, which is. The, the end of season one. Uh, it, it certainly feels all... It, it, it feels... Uh, I know that, you know, the important characters are anime only, so I assume that a lot of what they do is anime only. Uh, mm-hmm. And it ends in a way that feels like, well, they didn't plan on having anything else. So, uh, I when we when we ended with the uh, when we ended season 1 i was like i know your impression about season 2 and your your warnings thereof and obviously we'll get there uh but i was just i left it for a bit i was stuck because i'm like how on earth are they going to do anything else <laughs> at the end of that that is getting ahead though so let's let's roll back around and uh what do you want to uh, steer through as it were from uh from i'm
0: i'm curious you like i mentioned earlier you said that you had a vague idea of what the concept was before you started watching it i'm curious to know did you have any like expectations going in and how did those get met or not so met as you watched through the first season
1: most of the time i i try to go in even if i think i have expectations i try to discard them pretty quickly Mm -hmm. um so i didn't have anything in particular that that i would have interacted with uh, like I said, I, I basically knew, you know, the quick description of it, and have seen things like the manga covers and other things. So it's kind of like, well, it's a it's a dark fantasy, and apparently this butler is, uh, you know, Sakamoto from uh, from Sakamoto Deska, just like a an, an entity of absolute perfection, and I figured you could play the funny out from that for a period of time. But, you know, it, it's like, well, how long do you play that? And then when does it have to get into actual plot rather than uh, playing around? Uh, I think the most... The, the thing that um, threw me earliest where even if I had expectations, uh, the, the pack of others in the household you expect there to be a little bit of ridiculous just so Sebastian can show off, but the mere existence of Baldroy and Finian and Mayrin and, and Tanaka are just like weird as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so to, just to explain to people that you have your usual, uh, uh, it's a, it's a mansion, a large mansion, which of course, except for the fact that, uh, Sebastian is, uh, demonic and supernatural, there's no way that uh that merely five people could uh take care of a mansion of this size anyway, especially since three of them mess it up more than make it better. And uh the the old uh house steward Tanaka basically sips tea, goes ho 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 and uh just sits around in super deformation ninety-nine percent of the time. So uh but there there are a few others they have uh the cook is uh he, he kinda comes across as an old soldiery type because he's uh uh rough and tumble and he keeps trying to use a flamethrower to cook things or explode things uh to to make the food go better. So, uh, he, he basically burns everything up and damage damages the kitchen. Every time he tries to cook, uh, there is a weird little kid Finian who is ostensibly the gardener. But again, he's just this preternaturally strong, uh, kid. And whenever they, uh, uh whenever he tries to do, do things outdoors, he ends up, you know, hacking the, uh, uh, the, the arbor, that knocks trees down, hacks things apart more than makes it better. Uh, Meirin is a uh, maid, but uh, she's wearing those glasses with a big spiral in them that uh, leads you to believe they're about eight feet thick, and that person is blind as a bat. And indeed, she is the clumsiest... Uh, uh <laughs> individual that you ever did run across. So uh, whenever they're called upon to prepare for a party or an event or a dinner, it's always all of them messing things up. And Sebastian in some uh, amazing fashion, fixing all of the uh, things that they mess up either, either the long suffering uh, getaway. I'll just do it myself or in the middle of their messing things up, he's repairing it simultaneously just to, uh, he's like skating through the mansion, uh, just making everything better. Now, the four of them are, well, I'm not sure why Tanaka's around, but <laughs> 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 the, the three idiots are there for actual protection. You find out later that they are all amazingly competent powerful individuals, and are given opportunities to basically knock off uh, chaff. Usually they're just involved in, in uh, demolishing the riffraff. Uh, so they're around basically as protection for the Earl, uh, when Sebastian either can't always be around, or to protect the mansion when they're on the road, because Sebastian can obviously protect Yale very well on his own. But you'd you'd think after years of doing, you know, some normal work around they would have developed some manner of skill at the actual things that they do in their in their day to day. So the the level of uh, uh comedic prat falling that they do in there was definitely uh it, it was leaning. It was steering horror into. Uh, excuse me. It was steering harder into comedy than I expected it to, right off the top. Uh, but then, fairly quickly, you get into a situation where you're seeing, uh, Ciel interacting with uh, his aunt, Madame Red, uh, with Lau, who is a. Uh, these are basically fellow underworld sorts for the most part, his sole remaining relative in this case. And, uh, Lao is, uh, effectively a drug Lord, though he occupies a place in high society that, uh, that, uh, uh you know, lets him maneuver around. Uh, so you get the, the idea of the type of people that uh, CL has to deal with in his service as the your Her Majesty's guard dog and uh, or watchdog, I suppose, and uh, the the people that his parents dealt with previously that he has taken up the the mantle for, but fairly quickly you have a pretty striking. Uh, line where you start to meet other supernatural entities, the uh, the Grim Reapers. Um, I forget is is Undertaker actually a Grim Reaper or is Undertaker just his own thing? Because he doesn't. Undertaker. Do anything that, uh...
0: Late in season one, they reveal that Undertaker is a Grim Reaper.
1: Okay, I I couldn't remember offhand. He's. Obviously, a knowing entity and uh, a very, very weird. Possibly, best girl. Uh, I do, <laughs> I do love Undertaker a whole lot. Um. <laughs> uh, uh. But then you you learn about uh, essentially a a group of actual divine beings who are in charge of reaping the souls of people who are, you know, fated to die. So. They, they do the uh, they act in place of death. There's no one death entity with a scythe. And again, with the comedic bit, these Grim Reapers, uh, instead of having actual scythes or something else, they all have different uh, gardening and outdoors uh, uh, equipment. So the the main one will re- interact with over time is a uh, fairly enthusiastically psychotic uh <laughs> Grim Reaper named Grell, who uh, is normally running around with a chainsaw, although he gets uh, punished at one point and, and has scissors, and uh, that that was pretty entertaining. So- and both of them have uh, telescoping gardening shears. Uh, one guy comes in uh, in a later season, and he's got a lawnmower. Uh, so... <laughs> so- No one has an actual uh, scythe to do the reaping. They all all have their own preference involved in it. But uh, towards the end, you think there's going to... uh, Sorry, towards the end of the arc dealing with um, Madam Red, and in this case, Grell, she gets off fairly bloodily. uh, uh, And Grell is the one who takes her down, but he's been such a... Doofy uh chasing after has the hots for uh Sebastian the whole time, uh <laughs> complete psychopath in general, but in the, again a comedic way, and then it'll just lock down on okay now, oh also your your aunt's now dead, she was acting against you uh in the course of your duty. Uh, she had to be taken out as well. Uh, Ciel almost kills her, uh, himself, but, uh, doesn't. And that's when Grell takes her out. But, uh, so you're, you're interrupted with this by some serious and, uh, grim and bloody activities, but then it kind of, you know, shifts back to the same track again. And, uh, you go out to this village off to the side, and you start having ghost story things, and uh, and meeting the uh, cult leaders and and other stuff. That's where you start meeting Angela, and uh, uh, she starts stitching uh, her, her stuff in here. But because it's got two cores to play with, you don't you don't settle into sort of a serious. thing thing for too long uh until you know right near the end but uh, it does tend to be reasonably bloody which is uh interesting to to say the least because usually your your lighthearted comedic romps don't tend to have a high body count
2: or <laughs> uh
1: or extreme callousness from your from your main character uh CL will get worse later, but, uh, the, the, uh, activities that, uh, CL gets up to, uh, the, the times that you just sort of watch Sebastian letting people die because he doesn't have a direct order from CL to do anything about it. And so therefore he's a demon. He doesn't care. Uh, it, it it's definitely askew from what you normally think about from a, uh, from a protagonisty kind of angle but also from a maintaining a comedic tone sort of angle so it's a hard line to steer uh generally it does it well but uh, i can see it being off-putting or hard to appreciate by uh by some
0: So generally, you found that it walked the line fairly well, or do you think it steered one direction a little too hard at times? Or how do you feel about that?
1: Uh, I I suppose I could say at times it felt like it was steering a bit too hard, but I think for the most part, it did it well enough. It just, uh, because it had a lot of episodes to work with, it, it fluctuated. Uh, so you would go in and out of it enough times. So it it would sometimes, when it was steering in the direction of, oh, okay, now it's trying to be a little bit more somber and serious and contemplative, but we're just coming off this, you know, doofy thing that happened the other time. So uh, the, the mode switching doesn't always take, and there are a few, you know, clunker episodes or ones that uh, feel very cast off in in general but uh for the most part it it does it well uh again we're we're really just we haven't left season one yet so uh, yeah (laughs) so for the most part it does it well and when it does thankfully when it does start steering into the end game uh dealing with uh cl and his main antagonists and the the queen and the revenge that uh he he gets to complete they stop doing it even even with the goofball characters they stop uh having them be painfully goofball there's there's shit going on so therefore uh therefore they mean they maintain a a level tone that you can uh, uh, at least sink into well enough uh, for the end episodes. I'm trying to remember I'm trying to remember if there are any particular episode highlights like a, of the individual and the one-offs. It's uh, I'm reviewing them a little bit because they, they tend to blur a bit and it t- took enough time over enough episodes and then if after you do it you throw a whole bunch of tenshi all at once in, into your brain it kind of knocks out a, a number of things. <laughs>
0: I can
1: imagine. There's certainly a lot of style to it. Uh, it, it certainly in, in no way uh, is surprising to find out that uh, prior to this, the uh, the author was doing uh, a number of, you know, one-off Shodokan stuff. Uh <laughs> Cause the, uh, the 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 Shotokan and the the yaoi uh, those elements are very are very heavy in here uh, there's also a lot of gender play that goes on uh, with Grell with uh, the angel the who's anime only uh, the various relationships but between characters in general I'm I guess it'll depend how many people get into the the fantasy of it and don't see CL as particularly young because there's a lot to uh, uh, there's a lot to object to <laughs> if you if you sit back a little bit and and think too hard, uh, especially due to uh, you know the way certain scenes are presented and and the way that uh, the camera lingers over getting dressed scenes and things like that it's a little okay you can fast forward through this maybe <laughs> I, don't, uh, yeah, I don't believe I mean... i've come across any particular diatribes from it and for for animation in general of course it's not quite as uh people don't find it quite as uh objectionable overall uh we're we are mid, uh, certain live action, uh, uh, crazy things going on with, uh, with a recent Netflix movie. So, uh, it, uh, <laughs> if you were to evaluate, uh, certain things in Black Butler through that kind of lens, I'm, I'm pretty sure there would be, uh, fewer fans and, uh, quite a number of people, uh, attacking it from, uh from certain angles
0: yeah I mean you can totally attack it from that angle at one point when I was working for ICV2 I got to review a Black Butler art book and if you want to talk about the Shoda element of this series go pick up the art books because,
1: yeah, the author really leans into it. <laughs> she, she has a particular predilection, one would say. So, uh, how when did you uh, come to, to Black Butler? I, I presume, you know, at, at least a decade ago or, or fairly early on. And was that a thing that you were reviewing at the time or... Uh, did uh
0: I got into Black Butler fairly early. It was a series let me double check something real fast. yeah it came out in fall 2008 mm-hmm. so it was a series where I remember downloading the fan subs and i really enjoyed the first three episodes i was test driving it for the website i was writing for at the time i don't even remember which website i was writing for at the time but i do remember i watched the first three episodes via fan subs i loved the animation at the time i thought a1 pictures did an absolutely phenomenal job with it especially for you know, that particular period of time. uh. So I got into it really early, but I didn't keep downloading the episodes. I ended up not finishing it until a good couple of years later when Funimation finally licensed it.
1: Right. Uh, Is this another one that you've watched a number of times over the years? Or uh, you... You seem to rewatch things a whole lot more than I do, so I've been curious as to the things that you've been feeding me through uh, expanding horizons. How many of them are ones that you know you you watch every year, every couple years, just uh, and keep it fresh in your mind? Versus, well, I really liked it, but you know, I haven't kept up and. You might, you may or may not reevaluate certain things coming to it a number of years later and more mature.
0: Black Butler is a series that I have rewatched many multiple times. It is in the list of 25 or 30 series that we have pinned on Funimation that we will just throw on every once in a while uh so yeah so black butler when i recommended this to you i didn't even have to really go back and rewatch it i did it anyway just because uh but honestly if i hadn't done that i still probably would have been just fine as i've watched it enough times
1: right let's see who's uh like i was saying i was trying to remember if there was anything I'm not feeling anything in particular that stands out from sort of the individual episodes. Uh huh. Uh, I forget. I I was trying to remember because you were uh, your issue was with season two, but I think while I was watching, I hadn't looked into whether or not season two was considered like the second core. Or whether or not the f- season one was the first two cores and season two was the next one. Uh, so I was sort of looking for a split, either a tonal split or a topic split, and uh, right around the uh, you know the, the the end of the first core and into the second was when you had characters like uh, Prince Soma and, uh, Agni come in and, and show up. So I was trying to figure out if that was anything and I'm like, no, nah, nah, they're, they're fun. I enjoy them. So that didn't seem like anything that you would have had a, uh, a problem with, uh, there. I like how their magical, uh, curry buns basically, uh, keep appearing in the damn show over and over again. <laughs> Any, anytime they're there, there's a pile of these, uh, of these uh, curry buns. Also, he's Prince Soma, so uh, that's the main character's name from Food Wars. So there's there, there's an unavoidable Food Wars link uh, with those guys as well, which is uh, amusing. <laughs>
0: So yeah, I mean, when it comes to where I started having a problem with the series, it is season two, and I suppose you're gonna force me to talk about this and dredge up my
1: anime I guess, PTSD. I guess we'll have to because uh, you know I I did I did watch it, so uh, <laughs> we might as well talk about it. All right. Now, if, if we, we must. must. <clears throat> if we must. Now, it does start with one of those things that kind of frustrates me about a lot of things, uh, which is basically the, okay, well, the only way we can antagonist this particular uh, protagonist or this particular pair of them or that, those particular people are to take their evil opposites and bring them in. Uh, so we didn't have that. We didn't have uh, another demon in play, really, uh, in season one. Uh, we didn't. We had some, you know, conniving royals, but that's what we always had. And of, of course, we <laughs> had the, we had the demon and angel conflict. And I'm like, okay, that that in a way is an evil opposite, but they weren't acting in the same way. They weren't doing the same thing. And season two was just kind of like, well um first of all you ha- you have to kind of never mind uh the end of season one which uh, as stated before they, they've gotten Seal has taken revenge he he knows who uh, murdered his uh, parents and why they are they are gone now uh have suffered grievously uh Sebastian Carries CL basically to an island off to the side, and uh, uh, essentially we are treated too well. Okay, his soul is a, he's his soul is now a tasty demon treat, uh, and it's like okay, well, this seems like a very good place to wrap it up forever. Uh, so i was very curious how season two could pick it up, and the answer to that is well, first of all, poorly because uh, it's yeah. just like. Okay, well, let's let's do this other earl, Alois Transi, uh, who's, uh, what is it, treated by his buster, uh, butler, Claude, who's, you know, obviously yet another black butler, another, you know, demonic entity serving uh, this kid. Uh, <laughs> his... His seal is not in an eye that he keeps eye patched, which is pretty, you know, styling for a CL. But instead, it's tattooed on his tongue, so you get a lot of tongue action from here, and occasional, you know, like eyeball licking and stuff, which, which obviously is very fun. But that that feels lazy in general, and it just feels like okay, here's the uh, uh, the poor CL copy, and are we going to follow them for the majority of the time? Like, did we just shift to the side and we're telling a different story, but it's like, well, no seals brought back pretty quick. There's no explanation for anything. So my assumption is what happened before didn't happen. And that's later revealed to be not true precisely, but, the the way in which his soul wasn't eaten and they led into season two is kind of lame when it does get revealed uh but the the biggest thing is I don't know how I'm supposed to invest in the character of Alois Traunzi because he is a poor carbon copy but also just a a cackling evil spider symbol uh i don't know he he literally uh puts the eye one of the eyes of his maid out because she disappointed him in some absolutely trivial way in the way that you usually have to establish oh that guy's evil they just usually off someone innocent for a trivial reason it's like well that's evil person but the the manner in which he was doing it was just so over-the-top that I'm like, okay. I can tell I'm not going to have a whole lot of fun with with this kid here. Uh, there's, there's more to it by the end, but I can't... A lot of times anime makes these characters and it tries to redeem them or flesh them out or do something... To them that makes me understand them, uh, but the, I couldn't see how there is any capacity to with, with this particular kid by the end, even if he was, you know, had a very poor childhood <laughs> and was put upon. But, uh, so when, uh, had you already watched season one of Black Butler before season two happened, or uh, was this something where? both of them were out at that point. So you were just following it through directly.
0: I had watched season one and then when season two came out, I got really excited. And then I watched the first episode and was suddenly not excited, like at all. So I went ahead and put it off to the side and I didn't pick it up again until Berkeley. Book of Circus got announced, at which point I was like, okay, I should probably, you know, watch season two just so I'm all caught up and, you know, have a good idea of where I'm going. So I watched season two and absolutely hated it and swore it off forever and declared it dead to me on the JTOR AM podcast. (laughs)
1: so what uh i mean you got my first reactions i was only talking about episode one there so what what were your first reactions with episode one that made you put it aside and then i guess going through season two uh uh later on what where where was it most egregious for you I guess would be uh,
0: pretty much hit it on the head with uh, Alois transy pushing out his maid's eye for absolutely zero reason. That was pretty off-putting. Um, so I, as soon when I saw that, and I got to the end of the episode, so I did see. Okay, yes, they are bringing back Sebastian and CL in some fashion. Um, I believe it was around the picnic episode where CL is in the rowboat with Elizabeth. Um, I just felt so confused by what they were doing that... I put, that's when I put it aside. Um, but yeah, it was those first couple of episodes that I just got so confused at first and I did not know how to process what I was seeing. So that's when I put it off to the side.
1: It was definitely a confused process, uh, to say the least because you, uh, you get introduced to this evil opposite, uh, but then you shift right back into Ciel's perspective again, except it's uh, Ciel without certain memories. He'd forgotten the whole lot, and it couldn't be brought back to them, but it was still trying to go back to what they usually do. It wasn't it wasn't occupied with trying to help him regain his memories or talk with people and see what's going on. Even when they, you know, interact with the grim reapers again, or the undertaker to try to get some supernatural information. They're not talking about what happened. They're not acknowledging what happened to CL. Everyone is just uh, tiptoeing around, you know, the fact that it's like, Oh, well, I guess he should have been dead even though to everyone else's perspective, he just lost his memory. The only one who thought he should have been dead, Sebastian, who wanted to swallow his soul, swallow his soul, swallow his soul. Uh, (laughs) But the the weird thing about it, and I I don't remember if there's an actual connection to it, because I was pretty sure, like, was there a, an actual fake old queen introduced at the end of season 1 cuz uh, we we skipped over that part of it but uh, effectively the queen is the one who ordered Ciel's uh parents dead uh and she's been uh, she's like reverted to a uh little girl lollycon uh state uh due to the influence of the angel and basically feeding off uh, uh, the life force energy of uh, uh, of others around her and uh, I I don't even remember what uh, Ash and Angela, what their actual plan was. Uh, They were trying to use the tower bridge to create, turn London into hell on earth, I guess, for whatever reason. They were burning down the city and they were trying to basically make a giant summoning ritual. but it wasn't explained precisely why that I can remember well. Uh, and with your multiple watchings, maybe you know more and can and can fill it in. The only thing that usually comes up when you have angels and demons is someone trying to provoke the whole end times and bring about revelation but they don't lean into biblical stuff. Angels and demons are there, and it's in England, but you're not really getting... I mean, Chrono Crusade had a whole lot more actual, you know, biblical stuff. And in this, it's just kind of implied by the fact that there's angels and demons, but uh, it it didn't feel like they were trying to make a a Bible event happen, which is what I'm used to when you have the thing. It's like... Let's get the end times rolling. Uh, I I couldn't really figure out what the plan was and why the queen was going along with it. I mean, she was just getting corrupted more and more. And then at the end, of course, the queen is dead and the angel is taken care of. But in season two, there's a queen who's, you know, the regular old Queen Victoria. I was like, well, how would she come back? (laughs) <laughs> That's what i assumed that it was rollback they're just like ignored that other stuff we're we're rolling it back a period of time and telling a different story i thought he was going to tell a different story at first but when cl was back in it i'm like oh they're just doing something else maybe this is an older story a prequel of sorts or a, or an alternate tale where they're ignoring it but no, they, they tie the actual events together eventually, but then there are these things sticking out that feel a whole lot more like, uh, just don't pay any attention. So uh, uh, along my confusion for for the things I just brought up, what, what am I either missing or was that kind of the case where it was just sort of like, well they were just creating conflict. Well, the queen is back and you're just not supposed to care. Lao is back, even though he was totally cacked. Uh, <laughs> in, in, he was very dead in season one. Uh, so, but everyone loves Lao. So uh, again, that's why I thought they were, they were doing a, uh, you know, a rollback. Was there ever anything more to it, or it's just don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain?
0: It's more Wizard of Oz type thing. It's just we did this whole big, amazing thing at the end of season one, but now that we have a second season, we're just going to pretend like we didn't do any of that. But in terms of wrapping up the first season, no, you didn't really miss anything. They didn't okay.
1: do a really great
0: job of explaining why it was happening.
1: It I mean, just, it was a fun, massive event, but yeah, I couldn't really get it. It was, you know, there there is plenty of things happening. They're just... I, I didn't really get a rationale through it. Uh, I was sad when uh, Abeline, uh was taken out. Same episode, I think, that Lau gets, gets taken out. So again, it's sort of at the end when you started hitting episode 20 and you're steamrolling to the end. That's where everything hit a, a fairly serious high and the events and the stakes were being raised and you lost a bunch of people and it was satisfying all told even if it you didn't really understand why it, it was going on the the tower bridge was a big you know hell gate with souls trapped in it and it was trying to make uh, turn London into the underworld I guess but why I didn't really know
0: yeah they didn't really explain the climax of season one all that well and I'm Kind of thinking that they weren't expecting to get a second season.
1: Well, I, r- I rather imagine so. If the, way, the due to the way that they wrapped up, uh, but especially what they did in season two, because if maybe if you do something like they did to bring Ciel back into it, it's understandable. But if they're just going to backpedal other things like. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Lau and Ranmao, who's the actual best girl. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're just going to bring them back and you're just going to. They, they brought back the shtick of it as well because they had a lot of episodes where he's back. And, but they're, you know, back to solving simple mysteries and going to do this thing. And here's a, you know, ghost thing. Ah, ghosts aren't real. I, I love uh, when you're dealing with, you've made a, a pact with a demon <laughs> and then you have a plot line where a ghost is. And it's <laughs> the, the approach of ghosts can't be real. I'm like, literally, you know, souls are, are actual things. You've watched them film real uh, out and spill from your aunt as she dies in gory fashion. Where where are you all of a sudden making these claims about a ghost? <laughs> I mean, there there were fun episodes here and there. There were goofy episodes, but then uh, the the more strange thing I thought about season two was the way in which uh, the climax of uh, Alois seemed like he was just off at some point. It's like, oh, he was only there to be a weird antagonist for the first half of it, and then he comes back again later, and you learn more. For, for folks who are concerned about the uh, maid, don't worry. The, the maid is a demon, and also uh, Alois's, uh poor brother made a uh, pact with the maid. I did think there was some interesting stuff in the way that they wrapped it up. When they started introducing uh, Luca and uh, the the nature of uh, Claude and uh, Hannah, what a great name, Hannah Anna Fellows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was still obviously confused. Um, I also really loved the uh, the triplets in there they they were the doofiest antagonist around there. They were they were part of the uh you had the of course the Phantom Hive uh, uh household with all of our people we've talked about already and then you had the um the Truncy household and it was basically the the demon butler and then the maid who was constantly abused constantly constantly abused <laughs> but then you had these three dudes who looked exactly the same and didn't talk a lick and they were just there to be the ah we have to catch ciel or we have to occupy sebastian for a period of time uh, they just sort of appear and do the weird things but they were they were entertaining little doofuses uh but yeah, then then the end of season two, they frickin' do it again. The end of season two, they come to a, you know your large uh, demon battle at the end, and uh, Hannah is a sheath for a demon slaying sword, and Sebastian and Claude go at it, and Claude gets taken out, and then uh, Hannah, who is uh, Luca. <laughs> uh her purpose God, it was it was so weird there. I mean it was an interesting spin, you just couldn't sell it. Uh, because what it what eventually gets revealed is while we all hate Alois Trouncy, we learn about his bad Background: He, of course, was abused by the uh, previous Chauncey Earl, who kept himself a uh, a, a cage of young boys to uh, to abuse pretty much constantly. Uh, and uh, so he and uh, Aloisa ends up making the same deal with uh, Claude as the demon to take power. Uh, but what Claude actually wants is wants, uh, Ciel instead. So he is the one who causes, uh, Sebastian to not be able to eat Ciel's soul at the end. Uh, I, I didn't get how or what was going on with the inability to do so, but just sort of absconded with his soul for a hot minute. Uh, I don't know why when Seal got it back, Sebastian wasn't like, oh, you're you're tasty again. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But Luca was the younger brother of, uh, I I guess he was Tim back then, Tim Macken, who became Alois Tronsi uh, and uh, wanted to see his older brother's uh, revenge uh, uh happen but but to be valued. So Hannah's whole purpose in in the end manipulating everyone was simply to make Claude actually value Alois at the end. While while all of them are are dying as one big perverse, unhappy family. Uh Claude acknowledges uh uh that Alois had value and wasn't just, uh, you know, a way to get to, uh, to, to stop Sebastian and to get to Ciel. And that, that made Hannah happy at the end and they all, you know, went to their associated dooms together. And then uh, instead of ending again with Sebastian, they're like, Ciel is back. And so Sebastian takes his soul at the end. Uh, He instead saves him by turning him into a demon, as it were. Uh, (laughs) He's permanently stymied from being able to uh, uh, take Ciel's soul because uh, Hannah ended up basically merging him with half-demonic essence, as it were. So now they're going to be together forever. And traveling the land, they, they abandon the Phantom Hive estate. And then I'm like, okay, I guess season three is just going to be them wandering around doing other stuff. But yeah, no, season three is like, nope, ignore all of that shit. <laughs> he's, not a, he's not a demon. I'm pretty sure none of it happened. Here's a manga arc that everyone liked. We're sorry for season two. <laughs> that is literally what season three feels like. And Uh,
0: I personally agree with you that, and you've been pretty much summed up all the reasons why I kept saying season two is dead to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a good reason to go back. I might try, you know, if I ever re-experienced the series again, I might try going, uh, and just trying to grab some of the info dump ones to see if I can piece together what's supposedly going on. Uh, and I think there is one episode in there that I, I liked just as an episode. I didn't watch the OVAs, so I'm not sure if there was excuse me anything in particular in those. There is a pile of OVAs uh, in season two. Were they? I assume you've watched them, but were they actually, like, here's manga stuff and ignore the the episodes in the core? Were they actually playing off, uh, what happened in season two?
0: Uh all of the ova episodes there's one after season one where they perform hamlet and then Mm -hmm. there is one after season two where they do cl in wonderland uh none of them have any real bearing or any kind of influence on anything that you just watched so yeah they're
1: they're like no, there were, like, six OVAs in right after season two, in 20, 2010, 2011. So, uh, uh, yeah, no, there were plenty. I guess there were probably more side stories. The Sea yeah, in Wonderland was two episodes. There was a side story, I guess, of uh, for Alois Trouncy, but I suppose most of it was... Uh, was just playing around and, and probably the way that it normally happens is here's manga stuff that people like that we didn't do in the TV series. <laughs> I yeah, mean, uh, that's, 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 that's literally it. all all like the Orange Road OVAs uh, were. The movie went and did its own thing uh, to, uh, uh, to sum everything up, but the OVAs were just, uh, they were all literally uh, manga poles for that. Which is, of course, fairly common. But uh, because of the weirdness of season two, I was wondering if the OVAs were helping with it or just sort of being like, people still like Black Butler and here's some stuff. Uh, <laughs> we're still sorry for the core you just watched.
0: <laughs> but Yeah, uh, the OVAs, I don't rewatch those. Those are just
1: there So Book of Circus was reasonably fun. It was back to it was back to the normal format, uh, a bit different in the humor because you didn't really have a whole lot on the Phantom Hive estate, so you didn't have the other staff being a part of it. you had this, uh, well, the circus uh this uh cra- crazy circus coming to town that uh the queen again the queen in in normal mode she's uh always been normal ignore what happened at the end of season one again uh <laughs> <laughs> there there have been disappearances of uh young children from all over the land and there is this circus that uh at least seems to have been present enough to make people suspicious. So, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Sebastian and uh, Ciel infiltrate. I was a little surprised that he brought Ciel in. I assumed Sebastian was going to uh, uh, reach out and have uh, Agni come in and be the other help there because Agni is, you know, a thrillingly competent individual. Sebastian is tested doing everything, you know, feats of dexterity and strength and skill and whatever, uh, and uh, and he can, of course, basically do everything crazy awesome and, and perfect, because that is uh, any less uh, a phantom hive butler who can't do uh, that isn't worth his salt. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So you get the comedic thing because Ciel basically can't do shit. <laughs> <laughs> he, he comes across as a fairly... Uh, I mean, he's a pompous brat in, in general. Uh, you sense a keen intellect uh, and obviously a very dark mentality to him because he will consider anyone and everyone a chess piece in order to achieve his objective. Not that I know what his objective is at that point. It's still find uh, who who killed his parents, since the queen didn't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, and obviously, it still hasn't happened in the manga either. I guess if it's still ongoing. Uh, but you know, they wanted to bring him into the circus. He, he literally can't do anything, but it it allowed. Uh, sebastian to show off and do more comedic moments where <laughs> he's making cl look like he's amazing with throwing daggers and then uh, sebastian will just flick a rock <laughs> at the back of the uh uh dagger at which point it suddenly from being a clumsily thrown off course thing it goes directly uh, to a headshot. And does that to like five or six things in a row. So everyone was uh, uh, admiring his skill. Same thing with tightrope walking. He's constantly <laughs> thumping him with with rocks so that he can maintain his balance. If he loses his balance a tiny bit, he'll get smacked by a rock to regain it so that he can walk across. But Sebastian often isn't around, and uh, you know he can't do anything otherwise. <laughs> He sneaks into tents. He's a sneak. He's a thief. (laughs) But you got a a large cast of uh, characters who are, one assumes, the antagonists. And, uh, of course, they are very soon revealed to be such. Uh, But you kind of like them for the most part. Uh, Maybe you weren't so keen on Snake, who was creepies all get out and had eight million snakes in his tent it's like okay i can do that. that but uh <laughs> a bunch of them are pretty entertaining uh joker of course was voiced by uh mamoru miyano so he uh the the Grandmaster of the the circus it, it like the overboard vocal stylings of uh, Miano are very fitting for that particular role. Uh, But you also grab humor because you bring the the head of the Grim Reaper squad uh, also has joined the circus to keep an eye on things and uh, I guess make sure that there's no funny business going on with the uh, souls and uh, people's fates who's supposed to die. They want want to make sure that they reap everything well. Uh. And so it keeps a fairly tight focus on trying to find out what happens to the kids, getting it revealed over time that uh, the circus is taking them, Uh, Sebastian and Ciel eventually chasing down to what's going on, which is pretty, you know, friggin' disturbing by the end. Again, you have another, uh, Earl who, uh, is a, is a real big fan of, uh, tiny, tiny young, young people. Uh, and in this case, it's not, you know, the usual pederasty that, uh, that's going on, but, uh, he, uh, other than his strong feelings towards Ciel, who uh, he saw very early on when he knew Ciel as a as a tyke, as a, you know, innocent bit of perfection that uh, he needs to consume in his uh, evil man ways. Uh, but he, he was beaten to the punch. Uh, he was not allowed to uh, take place in the events that... Uh, That killed uh, uh, Ciel's parents and that sold Ciel on the black market and put him there to be uh, uh, ravaged and then ultimately sacrificed for some manner of blood ritual. It's the height of that that uh, Ciel cries out for anyone to help and willing to pay any price, and that's where Sebastian comes from uh <clears throat> so this evil uh uh what is it the the this other particular evil earl is trying to recreate the events that uh, uh of that bloodbath so he's stealing kids so he can have the appropriate number of lobotomized kids in cages Uh, But in the meanwhile, for Spares, he has a circus where they do things like knife throwing and high wire acts, but the kids don't know how to do anything, so they just fall off the high wire and splat on the ground or impale each other with thrown daggers. And that's his entertainment. He's basically been going through that stuff. So again... As much as I feel a bit towards the circus characters, the conveyance of what they are willing to be a part of, uh, obviously they, they get what's coming to them in the end, but it's still a bit weird when you're trying to sell some manner of uh, me feeling empathy towards them at the end, because they, they might consider that guy a savior to them but you know he treated them better than society he gave them uh, uh, artificial limbs to make up for their uh, the, the losses they'd suffered uh, they obviously have a good living now wandering the land but the, the amount of carnage they are willing to do in, in that name and, and not try to stop any of it or, or do any of it is like well okay I was hoping Doll maybe could make it out by the end, but uh, mm-hmm. poor Doll. So it's a it's a little bit interesting by the end, though, when uh, when CL and Sebastian get to hunt down the Earl and discover all of this horrific shit that uh, that I just described. Joker is the only one who's uh, been able to follow them. Down there, that he sent the rest of the troop to uh, capture Elizabeth uh, at the uh, Phantom Hive Manor. So while uh, Ciel and Sebastian are busy taking care of uh, the the evil Earl and Joker, and in the end, all of the kids, because Ciel plugs uh, when he manages to control himself, just shoots the crap out of the. Uh, bad guy. And then, uh, Sebastian carves off
2: <laughs>
1: yet more limbs of Joker when, uh, Joker tries to attack, uh, CL. Uh, and then they burn down the manor and everything, which means all of the children of whom there were dozens there, I'm sure. Yes, they, they seem to be, uh, lobotomized, but, uh, but Ciel was willing to basically kill the rest of them as well. You you got to see the darker part of uh, his nature by then. But while they're wrapping up things off to the side, you got the rest of the troop who went to the manor. And now when we're dealing with uh, Baldroy and Finian and Mayrin at the manor, they're just stupidly lethal. So uh, the, the amount of carnage in this particular part is... Uh, it is pretty impressive uh, by itself. You didn't mention this when we were talking about the... Uh, when we had that uh, episode about body count anime, right?
0: No, I didn't.
1: It, uh, is it something that you would would have considered for it? Because it... Uh, it cer- certainly by the end of uh, season three, you have Peter... <laughs> Peter and Wendy, and Wendy just gets sniped through the skull. Uh, Beast just gets plowed into a wall. After after you think that our good guys are going to be taken out by the bad guys, because they're all ambushed uh, effectively, and there's lethality going on, and Joker, you have the Joker scene talking to CL that uh, 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 what is it, uh, saying it doesn't matter what you do to me, you're too late, uh, they'll They'll have Elizabeth and be able to, uh, uh, you know, do horrible things to her. <laughs> and Ciel's reaction is basically kind of a cackling, you, you idiot, you've doomed them all uh, <laughs> sort of approach. And then you get to see all of them get uh, impressively doomed. The only one you don't get to see oft by the end I guess I couldn't remember seeing Snake in there, so either he wasn't a part of it because he was brought in later, so he wasn't a part of the troop that did these activities, I guess. He was just part of the circus. It looked like Tanaka took care of someone, but I don't remember who that was or how he possibly could have, so I was trying to figure out if that was just an implied, oh, there's one of the guys who was taken out earlier. He was walking... uh, elizabeth by a uh you know a a, a, an impressively crushed person but uh i couldn't tell if it was implied that tanaka took him out or uh meaning that he could actually do something or it was just carnage that uh we were seeing from off screen and that it's the others uh uh killing them May, May Rin's, uh shtick, I think, is the most amusing. The the other two are weird, but like Finian is a uh, uh, like a a science experiment Huckleberry Finn, you know, <laughs> looking dude. He's <laughs> <laughs> so so weird looking. Uh, I'm like, how is this a thing? There, there's another anime that does that. Uh, Bungo Stray Dogs has a character who's much like that. I'm like, how is that a thing? Uh, and he's just like a completely strong, tough monster sort. Uh, Baldroy, of course, is an actual soldier. And so all of his stuff is just, you know, being lethal. But I enjoy Mayrin's uh, shtick, which is that she's basically like a, an assassin of par excellence back in the day who has somewhat cursed eyes. Her, her shtick is that her eyesight is, uh, you know, superior to that of eagles or whatever, so she'll just have a regular bolt-action rifle without a scope standing on the roof of a, uh, like a cathedral blocks away from the uh, target and just be able to take about from that. And the reason why she wears glasses is so that her amazing vision doesn't torture her all the time. Because <laughs> effectively, it's it's too much for her. So uh, she she gimps her vision so that uh, she can operate. Uh, but that causes her to also be a, a klutz. A madly in love uh, with uh, Sebastian klutz. But then again, a lot of characters are because he is too cool for (laughs) Skewel. But yeah, instead of being goofy at the end they basically just murder the circus. Yeah, uh, pretty much. It's some entertaining action that goes on during during that. I enjoyed that more than the fact that they have been shown to be very lethal, but it was always against cannon fodder and red shirts and stuff. So even, even another time in season two where they should have had things against those like triplets and the other demons been able to do something. It was instead all Sebastian uh kicking ass just so he looked good. I'm like, but oh, give give them a scene.
0: So one thing I'm curious about, uh this is not something that you always do because I know that you prefer subs, but I am curious at any point while you were watching this, did you sample the dub
1: for it? uh i didn't i usually don't uh i do think occasion i did specifically with um with assassin well actually i didn't have a choice with assassination classroom because the the whole damn app was uh failing to yes. deliver the uh yeah. subtitled so But I I would have uh, sampled it anyway, specifically because uh, uh, of you. And I do tend to try things here and there, but I think I just didn't get around to it because I I had been taking them in slow enough and I needed to catch up and I needed to watch a whole lot of Tenchi so that I could uh, do a a podcast. Uh, (laughs) So... (laughs) So therefore, I didn't get around to uh, taking an episode for a test run. I might uh, try that with one of the OVAs just for the heck of it, but I I do not have a frame of reference for, for that.
0: Um. I was just curious, because generally, one rule that I have when I watch anime is that if it doesn't take place in Japan, such as if it takes place in Victorian England, I prefer them dubbed, because it just seems really weird to me for this cast of characters who have no connection to japan to be speaking fluent japanese throughout it just <laughs> tweaks my brain something fierce
1: sure
0: so i was just curious if you had sampled the, i
1: the i had little. not but i assume that they're from the normal dub cast it's not like they sought out uh englishy folks to no, grab the appropriate not. accents or nationalities for them, I assume it's the the usual the usual gang of uh of ones. Who who was the dub on this? Was this uh funny?
0: Funimation. Uh I
1: was trying to remember the the most interesting uh Seiyu in this case is uh because we just talked about her in another context, but uh, Ciel has uh, a voice actress, of course, as most young boys usually have a uh, female uh, uh, voice actor to, uh, to voice the part. And in this case was Maya Sakamoto, which mm-hmm. uh, I, th- I thought was interesting. I
0: but, think it's yeah. also worth mentioning that Sebastian was played by Daisuke Ono, who mm-hmm. is a regular heartthrob himself
1: uh oh you you mean like actual physical pim I mean I, yeah. I looked up some of the parts that he played but I don't normally look visually at the uh <laughs> actor or actress to uh to think about them from that way uh the the main parts I I would know him from was uh irwin from uh, attack on Titan, and uh Shizuo are very mad uh uh guy in do da da there's also Jotaro if you think of you know kind of opposite archetypes of uh, male protagonist characters the uh, Jotaro Kujo uh, <laughs> you know f- uh, as you know shonen battle protagonist as you can shonen battle protagonist and then uh, the the uh, the uh, very much uh, refined, dignified, soft-spoken uh, Sebastian are uh, definitely on rather opposite ends of the spectrum in presentation. None of none of them. I usually try to find anyone who we share between the two things, and while a couple of them were in various Tenchi projects, uh, they were in the later ones, so like Tenchi and Tokyo or GXP, not the ones we watched, so... Okay. I guess Erwin is a bit more soft-spoken, but he definitely has, uh, you know, forthright uh, manly presentation mode as well, and, and other things like the killer T-cell from Cells at Work are, are big meathead roles. So yeah. he's, he's got a lot of angry big meathead roles, and then uh, Sebastian ain't. So it's, uh, it's interesting.
0: But uh, yeah, in terms of the voice cast, I would recommend going and checking out the dub cast at some point, even just an episode or two, because uh, I actually think the dub cast did a pretty great job with it.
1: Sure, there's still OVAs. I'll, I might uh, do the season one and two OVAs that are the Hamlet and Wonderland ones and, uh, and see what that's like in the dub, it feels like. Sounds maybe. good. Feels like it could be a fun time. Uh, since we started down the uh, the voice actor uh, realm, I guess uh, looking into uh, a certain things, the the three seasons of Black Butler each had different directors, so it was interesting to uh, to look at them, and I can sort of understand season three's the most as it were but uh season ones uh did things he did a bunch of pa work stuff so red data girl uh nagino asakara uh the recent uh none of those feel particularly black butlery uh he did the inuyasha movies which feels more of type uh, the director for season two didn't really do all that much, did a bit of cells uh, at work and the, the new laughing salesman and, and otherwise didn't seem to have anything of, of note that I plucked out, which, again, probably makes sense because, you know, season two is a bit of a mess. But it was it was a <laughs> bit of a mess, most, of mostly from a writing standpoint, and that you can uh, chalk up since... I'm going to assume again, that was most actually not, I guess I'd have to look it up. Uh, cause they talk about anime original characters, but they mostly mentioned the season one. I thought season two, I guess the and Claude were anime only. So the whole, the whole plot line of season two had to be anime only. Uh, yeah. but that, that was all Mario Kata and black Butler in general. I can see being, you know, a, an Okada bag, but, uh, so she handled season one well enough, but uh, I guess if she was the one doing the, the storylining for uh, two, then uh, that's uh, a swing and a miss.
0: Well, we all have them every once in a while.
1: Yeah, but the, but the director for season three is probably the most well-known staffer other than Mario Kata, because uh, he was director on things like Yu Yu Hakusho and Flame of Recca. Ah, uh, great teacher Onizuka, Bleach, Boruto, a lot of stock shonen things, and specifically battley things. So, the fact that you had more action and and bloodier action and differently conveyed action, and here, you know, came across uh, well under under that direction, which makes sense if there's one thing other than season two, so not season two related that you simply either hate or just don't like about black Butler, uh, what would that be? Uh, um, just
0: something in general
1: that in I general about, like. about the production where we're in, we're not in story section now we're in staff and, uh, anime conveyance we're in the we're in the alternate category stuff here so of things that we sometimes talk about is there is there one thing you you said you like the animation a lot which is fine but was there anything that just you didn't like or uh stands out like a uh like a sore thumb for you
0: I honestly can't think of anything that I particularly disliked. I did, you know, while we were talking about the ending and climax of season one and noting how it was a smidge clunky, you know, that right there is probably, you know, okay. something that I would point toward.
1: Uh, all right. Well, the, I was wondering if it stood out for you. There, there's one thing uh, for me, I I liked uh, some of the, uh, you know, it, it had a, and we can chat about them, it had a good set of openings, more endings that were good, especially the first ending. I love the first ending. Uh, I'm alive. Uh, yeah,
0: that's my song that I play whenever I need to get myself like really like pumped up and energetic.
1: I thought you uh, you might well that one would be a pump up energetic one certainly. Uh, I wasn't sure if you'd like the uh, the calafina uh, ending more. That's the one that was only used twice in season two the the last episode and one of the major plot reveal episodes. Uh, I did
0: really like the Calapena ending, but yeah, in terms of like just general songs that I will put on and rock out to Becca with I'm Alive.
1: I can see that. Uh, for me though, as there were some bits that I liked in that it was kind of jazzy and interesting, but it was fairly flat in general but i thought the music was real fucking bad (laughs) i did not like the background music it it felt very low effort uh there there were no particular themes that was drawing me into anything uh i i looked at the uh you know the person in charge of the of the music and I don't think there were other ones that came across but I'd, I don't know how much attention you pay to background music and, and interstitials and other stuff or if the soundscape is just sort of kind of shruggable and you don't really notice her mind and then it you know the other thing is it goes to the far side and you're like oh my god it's great uh, but uh, it was bugging me every season. I think season three picked up. I probably like the opening from season three uh, best as well of the openings, but uh, but the uh, uh, but the, the background music and uh, the general music design of the show is, is very lackluster. so uh, That's I, actually I would kind of not surprising since it's taku Iwasaki
0: who is generally regarded really well.
1: That's that's what I'm saying. I, I looked at overall the stuff and I'm like, oh, this dude has done a lot. And, you know, and I, I'm not familiar with a whole lot. I don't recall, for instance, I, I like Norigami, but I don't remember the sound design in it. Uh, mm. But I I figure if you do Gurren Lagan and Katana Guitar, you probably have some chops. Yakitate Japan was, you know, just kind of normie fun stuff. So there there wasn't anything objectionable. But I I'm not entirely sure what it was, but, but I, I think one of the best adjectives to use is is what I did earlier and, and it just felt flat most of the time. So you would get like simple saxophone riffs and while I enjoy you know, jazzy ditties here and there, it it felt like it was that too often for a lot of things. It, it, I just found it off-putting in general. So I might try sitting down with a soundtrack just to see if it's something where I notice the very bad bits when I'm uh, in the middle of a scene and I'm like hoping that the music will fill things out and instead I, I, I'm i just getting this sort of low effort mix. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't really, I, I didn't get much of anything out of that. So uh, that uh, I was wondering if that was something that stood out to you as well. And,
0: no, and I not guess not. Really. Nope, not really. So, but, uh, all right. Uh, have we exhausted Black Butler? Was there anything else that you wanted to bring up before we move along?
1: I think we've exhausted it. We've certainly spent enough time. Uh, I guess the, uh, the only question is, what do you think odds are that they'll get a, uh, another season of it in the future?
0: Uh, I'm hoping that they give another season of it the movie was the last thing that they released of it uh which was book of the atlantic uh which isn't available to stream anywhere you bastards
1: hey, right naturally oh okay that one was i saw that there was a live action film i thought that there were two live action films there is just the one live action and then the uh the, the book of it, Atlantic, was recent. Okay, so the, yeah. there was a recent enough stab at doing something, so they may or may not throw another core into it at some point. But I guess in that case, it depends entirely how well that movie did. And uh, Yep,
0: indeed. So, all right. So getting into our second show of the podcast, uh, for... The most recent recommendation from you, you gave to me the series Tenshi Muyo, which I have to admit is one of those shows that I always meant to watch, but just never felt the real inclination to do so even though my wife kept telling me how much i needed to watch it because it was one of the shows that she loved when she was younger and she wanted to watch it again but i just was
1: never in the mood so that that's one thing Let, let's hold on a second cuz tenchi was technically my third suggestion uh for folks out there i don't know if we've mentioned or not but we normally will toss a couple suggestions at each other. And, uh, you know, anything can be vetoed if someone doesn't like it while watching it. I think that's only happened once so far, once or twice. Uh, but in this case, do you even remember the the two that I'd started with?
0: Uh, I'm trying to remember. I remember there was a sci-fi series and there was something else.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't even remember either at this point. I'd have to look up. But I brought this up. I was like, this was wild card for me because I know you don't really like delving too far prior to the 2000s. You'd rather stay comfortably in the aughts and the, the tens, as it were. Uh, but I had a specific purpose for this, at least in part, uh, because I would like to start having sort of themed and, and topical podcasts about certain things. And, you know, what what is a harem anime would be one of those things. And Tenchi is such an, a touchstone talking about that. And that's one of those things where I have a more contentious opinion about it. So I threw it out there as like, well, maybe I'll bring it up. I was not expecting this to either come to mind or be something that you thought you would want, and pretty quickly you seemed to laugh and say, "Well, uh, the wife wants to watch Tenchi, so I'm doing Tenchi," <laughs> 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 which I found pretty funny uh, at that point. But I, it was it was sort of a hail mary to to start because I figured we'd some of it would be required to uh, have future conversations, and I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting you to either go into it or go in as deep, because that was the other thing. As I said, just watch the ones that come from that seed, that first OVA, uh-huh. uh, and watch anything that was key branded so a part of that timeline. And of course, that's one of the most challenging things about Tenchi, is what the heck belongs to what. I mean, we just had confusion from Black Butler, where each progressive season is like just saying "never mind, roll back." Uh, CL isn't a demon anymore, but with Tenchi, there's technically interconnections in there, <laughs> but it's really hard to know. So I was just like, watched the, uh, and I figured you'd you'd pretty much just watch two cores worth of the OVAs, and then you uh, you obviously went uh, went further. Now was that uh, partially because you wanted to force me to watch more of Black Butler, or was it simply because you know you were able to to suck them down quickly and the 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 waifu wanted to uh, to go through them, so it was just a matter of course?
0: Uh, little column A, little column B. Mm. Uh, I knew that with your completion complex, you were gonna watch quite a bit of black butler i just had a suspicion that you weren't gonna watch the first season and stop there
1: that that is correct i can ignore you know movies unless they're required Damn the story i can uh, i can ignore ovas but uh if you're gonna throw unless unless it's very much larger. So, I mean, we've only twice gone out to anything that's in the four core area. And uh, Assassin's Creed and Orange Road were all, uh, you know, put together. And this one, technically, there's a bit more, but it's fairly completionist. Uh, Tenchi, obviously, you could not consume everything of Tenchi in only that many episodes, because there's a whole crap ton of weird... yeah.
0: Uh, That was the main issue that I was running into when I first started down this path, is that Funimation has them labeled in such a weird fashion that I was not sure... How to watch them exactly. I was Googling it. I was <laughs> looking
1: up Reddit I know. Threads. You kept asking me questions, and I'm like, it, it's done. The, here, Here's the Ryoki way. Here's what they say, the episode title. Here's the Funimation link that I found here. <laughs> Let's do that. But yeah, they're like, this one is called Tenshimuyo. This one is called Tenshimuyo OAVs. This one is called Tenshimuyo Ryoki. This one is Tenshimuyo Movies. And I'm like, oh, my God get your shit together. You'd think that they would just have one heading and then just like a slider that you could select which is in semi chronological order or something like that. Not that that fully helps you cuz between the, the whatever the the second series that they consider uh, and the third for the for the OAVs, they jump uh, a whole passel of years. And uh and it definitely feels like you needed to have watched other earlier stuff to uh, understand the the characters that are brought in here it's like i i guess they were in Tenchi Muyo in uh, Tenchi in Tokyo or more on Geminar or something i don't really know where they came from but you know they're they're here and they feel they're here and they feel meaningful but uh, whatever
0: yeah that was where things got a little screwy for me, because I remember I got through the first two cores I got through roughly, you know, eh, roughly you know 20-something episodes of Tenchi, I believe. I may be miscounting. But then when I started into the third core of the OBAs, they started introducing all these characters, and they were making it sound like I should know who everyone was. And right. I really, really didn't.
1: That's that's where you hop between 1995 and 2003. So it's an, it's an eight-year leap. It doesn't at all really feel like you're following the same storyline, even though it's the same universe. And then it's like, I guess maybe there's some... Because uh, it's not Tenchi... Like universe stuff in there, the TV series, but it feels like there might be some movie folks in there, or maybe GXP or, or Tenchi in Tokyo had something in there. Warren Geminar was actually after, but uh, yeah, it, it feels like there's more and they're they're important, or they're just uh, having fun and writing things that they feel meaningful, even though you're only meeting them now. Wh- who knows? They can get away with a lot in something this bifurcated. But uh, this overall fractured uh, fairy tale, as it were.
0: Yeah, so that's where I stopped with GOVAs. But again, I knew that you were going to watch, you know, at least four, five cores worth of Black Butler. So I felt the need to keep going. So I turned on Tenchi Universe and I watched through both cores of that, which was a full 26 episodes.
1: So uh, I guess the the question is, I mean, this feels like one of those things where no matter what you would, unless you're someone who just weebed up in the past, you know, five years or so, anyone with any particular Eld to them, it feels like there's enough background Tenshiism that you. Know the reputation. You know what to expect. You probably recognize the characters uh, from it, whether whether or not you expect the particular form that the hijinks uh, ensue upon. Uh, but I guess the the two questions to to start with is what you know how what was your relative familiarity with it. Uh, what did you think? You were going to be a part of going in, and I suppose an, another thing was why didn't you get around to this? Where where did it sit on the uh, the the sort of cultural prominence that led you to just keep ignoring it? Especially if uh, your wife had uh, already. You know, watched a whole bunch of it and enjoyed it back in the day. And you obviously watch and re-watch a lot with her pretty constantly. So,
0: so all right, we'll go ahead and we'll start with the beginning question.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, all right, uh, what I knew about Tenchi ahead of time was i was familiar with the concept i was familiar with the idea of it being a very formulative harem series uh i know it's not the first harem series but it's one of the first ones that gained widespread notoriety i think right so i was familiar with the basic ideas behind it and i was also familiar with the characters because uh years ago without realizing that
1: they were actually spin-off series i watched sasami uh <laughs> pretty girl you, you watch girl. you watch pretty sammy That's yes pretty I, did.
0: Yeah, okay. I did yeah i didn't realize that it was a tenchi spin-off at the time though
1: right ah. So you didn't recognize the characters at the time to know that they were all, you know, playing playing the part. You knew that there was a tenchi but you weren't familiar enough with the uh, with the characters in the art to, uh, to recognize that those were all literally them.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Interesting. I guess we'll have to chat about how that whether or not that changed anything there there are weird ways to uh, get into something and uh, an amusing uh, like the uh, uh, OVA TV series side s- story spin-off of a uh, alternate fun episode in the middle of Tenchi universe is is certainly probably the more unique way to have entered the franchise
0: so let me see. So the reason why I had never watched Tenchi before it wasn't because I had any kind of bias against it. I watch harem series. I like harem series. I'm not I have no bias against harem series. I think that it's a perfectly fine plot concept. Uh it's gone a little you know, past where it needs to be, but mm-hmm. what for what it's worth, you know, harem series are you know fine, they're acceptable. I'm not too concerned about them. Um, but I kind of figured that Tenchi was literally just another harem series that I had seen a million times before, so I was just not too worried about picking it up. Um like I said, it wasn't because I had a bias against it. It was just because no one had actually said, you know, hey, this is not just a harem series. This is a really good harem series. Uh my wife had said, you know, this is a series that I watched and enjoyed, but she didn't give me enough like details on why. It was good, so I never really took the time to, you know, dive into it.
1: And now you have Dove.
0: Indeed I have.
1: So you started with the first series of OVAs, which is, of course, where most people start, even if they're going back to it. I suppose Mm. people might pick up Tenchi Universe as well because it's a it's an easy it's still a starting point for the story it it's of course weird and i think that was the first major example i ran across where it was like uh strike over do again just tell the same story spin it uh character introductions are different characters are uh they act the same but they fill certain different roles and i was like well that was weird but uh, yeah, I, I of course entered with with the OVAs. Uh, I forget exactly when. In, it feels ninety five or ninety six ish is uh, when I would have, and then and then I'm sure I pulled universe from uh, various Chinatown trips, grabbing the fan subs.
2: Mm-hmm. And of
1: course, that was big and formative for for us at that point. But uh, how how was rolling in with the uh, the OVAs? I don't I don't even think it's worth like giving a, an overall. Here is what Tenchi is the so way we did with Black Butler. You might as well just describe uh, what's going on uh, the character intros because it kind of doesn't have a story. <laughs>
0: yeah, the, the OVAs just kind of do their own thing, don't they?
1: Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, there there is, of course, stuff to it that uh, I find that the third series, and I, I think you said you, did you drop that, or did you actually get through the third series? I, I dropped it. I okay. think I watched, like, two, two or three episodes and realized that I was just way too confused. <laughs> I, yeah, the confusion doesn't dissipate. It was short enough, so I did watch it for the first time. Uh, this time, I'd never watched it before, but uh, but yeah. So uh, so, how was your uh, your going going in going through? Uh,
0: I can honestly tell you, and you know this that. If I don't like something or I can't find a hook, then it's like pulling teeth out of a horse trying to get me to stick with it. I need to have a hook. And in this case, I found it in the characters. I found that the characters were just really fun to be around. Uh, Even you know hapless tenchi you
2: -hmm. know
0: had his moments so you know there were definitely hooks uh, from multiple angles that brought me in the story what i really liked about it is that it's a sci-fi but that doesn't take itself too seriously But yeah, so Tenchi, what I really like about it is that the characters were a lot of fun and the sci-fi story didn't take itself too seriously, which made it a lot easier to get into it with sci-fi series one of my big problems is when it does take itself too seriously and tries to throw out techno babble at me and it always goes over my head and makes me feel lost and stupid. Tenshi didn't do that.
1: No, they, uh, it's very Star Warsy, and you you only need a minimal appreciation of uh, laser swords and explosions and, uh, Otherwise, people that can fly and teleport and uh, occasionally cross dimensions. It's like, all right, we got our bases covered. All of these people do crazy shit.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Before we get too far in, I just want to go ahead and make it clear. Best girl is Keone, and I will hear no argument.
1: Uh, Well... The only thing, the the only thing, I mean, Kione is definitely best girl, but, uh, ah, damn it. I'm, I'm off on their thing. I thought I had uh, written their names down just to have them at reference, but the, the guardians, uh, I, I love as well, uh, Azake and, Kami uh, Kamidake, something like that, yeah. uh, I do enjoy the uh, them, especially since uh, one of them is Kenichi Ogata, who just has the best voice. But, uh, I can't argue too hard, now she's not, you know, who should win except she should win in life because she's so put upon by the sheer existence of Mihoshi, but yes, then, again, then again so are we all.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah but uh like I said I managed to push my way through five cores pretty much you know like I said I only got through about half of the third core of the OVAs and that was not through lack of effort it was just that the story and characters were a little confusing
1: yeah yeah so by by way, I suppose of uh, you know character introductions or spins or personality, but where there who who did you have the most fun with? Uh, I guess were there you know were there particular moments that it, it's like it it's not just about uh, the doofy humor, but you enjoyed the character moments with them and Tenchi or the. Uh, occasional badass moments that uh, that they would convey.
0: Uh, in terms of characters that I had the most fun with, while Kione is best girl, her coolness and specialness would not have been as prominent if she didn't have Mihoshi there with her. So the two of them together made you know, a really great pairing that made a lot of fun... that made a lot of the episodes a lot more fun. Gotcha. Um, In in terms of, like, badass moments, um, personally, my favorite was towards the end of Tenchi Universe when they teased the death of uh, Ryoko. Sure. That was a pretty you know, epic badass moment, especially with the battle that she went through right beforehand.
1: Right. She, uh, she, the, both the, uh, the battle and, uh, fighting, uh, uh, Kagato the, the second, uh, (laughs) and, uh, then, uh, her course during the, uh, that particular episode. And, uh, some enjoyable moments between her and Nagi. You you could yeah. definitely feel a lot of flags. Usual flags were being tripped. So uh, there, there certainly was a chance.
0: So yeah, so those were like the characters and moments that really stood out to me. Uh, Tenshi Universe in general was... Really just a good overall product. I enjoyed it from start to finish and didn't have any issues with trying to get through it at all. So that was a really nice change of pace. Every so often, uh, you'll come across a series that is
1: good for a while and then it becomes kind of a slog. Gotcha. But
0: Tenchi was... Just, you know, a really good, enjoyable, lighthearted romp all the way through.
1: Is that implying that you did have uh, occasional problems with the uh, the OVAs? Or uh, or just that you thought two cores of it would usually outpace the ability for it to hold itself together?
0: Uh, I think more the latter. Uh, I think... You know, after Two
1: Cores, it just kind of started to fall apart a little bit. Uh, there's, there's certainly a whole lot of things that I'm tossing at you. There, there are a whole lot of uh, scenes, especially from the uh, first OVA series, that uh, left an indelible humor uh, mark on my, uh, early, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, anime appreciation. So, uh, uh-huh. I'm feeding, I'm feeding you of course, right now, the, uh, the scene where, uh, Ryoko is cackling like a, uh, a badass while, uh, her ship and Ayaka's are spiraling out of control in a, uh, in a crazy, uh, fine, I'll kill both of us. And then they, for the first time in in many times, uh, crash land next to Tenchi's house and everyone gets stranded there. That, uh, there's a whole lot of spaceship destruction. You'd you'd think the Misaki Shrine would become a shipyard due to how many exploded <laughs> ships are nearby that they could just use for spare parts. I was a little surprised when I uh, when I went back to Universe and I. Uh, I burned through universe a little more. I was skipping certain times just to, because I'm at least familiar. So I wasn't watching them straight. I was trying to take them down a little faster. Uh, uh-huh. But I was, I was surprised with a number of the ones from universe that I think I had associated with the OVA certain, certain scenes, obviously not uh, Kione because she doesn't show up in the OAVs, uh, but uh uh, other ones were like, oh, I, I remember that and that particular scene and that particular other amusing bit. And I think I'd been remembering, you know, that I watched the OAVs a lot more. So I probably assumed most of what I remembered came from them rather than uh, rather than universe, which I feel like I watched maybe twice because uh you know, once with a certain set of friends and once with another set. Uh-huh. That's, but, uh, but it was definitely a fun revisit. I think uh, universe holds itself together better. Uh, I like that uh, the first core of it is basically all earthbound hijinks that they do. And even when you feel like, oh, they have the plot in which they're flying out to go back to Jirai <coughs> and do stuff, they're still, oh, uh, you know, we have to stop at this planet over here. Oh, Sasami has a uh, an episode where she hangs out with a ghost girl who died on the space Titanic. Oh, we have to have a bikini contest. Uh, oh, we need, we all need money. We don't have enough space money with us. So somehow we we now own a hostess club and uh, trick people into uh, going in and paying too much for booze. That uh, It amused me how uh, how well they could construct businesses to make money when they had no money going in. You'd, uh, you yeah, wonder why more? I was,
0: <laughs> I was thinking about that as I was watching it. I thought that it was really interesting that they had the ability to just stop and form a bar in the middle of nowhere and then, pick, and then pick up and leave again without any issue whatsoever once they had gathered enough money. Uh,
1: I think one element that doesn't usually come up, but I liked more about Universe, was they kind of a- abandoned the previous crazy, super-aging that everyone has in uh, the OVA's. Uh, I, I love how my brain just doesn't care whether I say OAV or OVA. It, it, <laughs> it's it's because of the way that they started, and then later on they shifted to back back in the... Be- back when it was still called Japanimation, uh, I think they are all... OVAs and then later on everyone settled around different language but my brain still freely goes into OAV especially if I'm talking about an old show that was you know picked up that early uh but uh Sasami is 800 years old and Ayaka is 1300 they had a conflict with Ryoko 700 years ago and that's when the yosho left and i'm like ah, how you know i know you're implying that there are long-lived uh, people but what kind of maturity cycle do jiraians have if sasami <laughs> has gone through 700 years
2: yeah
1: uh even if they're not physically larger how can they be mentally eight years old uh after living 700 functional years uh, everyone is just a, a titanic of crazy age. And then they, uh, I think they imply a little bit, but they're talking about events that happened 70 years ago, not 1,300 years ago uh, and things like that. I'm like, okay, fine. That's, that's a little less strain on the uh, the goofiness of sci-fi, super aging, long-lived alien species stuff. So the, uh, the, the original OVA's, did have one of my uh, for a while I had a rule of six where there were a lot of OVA series uh-huh. and uh, and things where for whatever reason uh, my favorite episode was the sixth episode. And in uh, Tenchi that's when they go to confront Kagato the first time, so uh, they uh, they all dress up in their, you know, badass suits, including Aeka who's now kind of stony-faced. She's in battle armor. She's punching her way through things. Uh, Ryoko always was kind of badass. Uh, Mahoshi is uh, doing her Mahoshi best, but with a rocket launcher and blowing things up while she's asking them not to appear in front of her so that she doesn't have to blow them up with a rocket launcher.
2: <laughs> and
1: uh, and of course, Tenchi gets to do his wings of light thing, which becomes a bigger thing later. It's like Tenchi's a big Jiraiyan power battery later on, but the whole, the whole wings of light thing is huge in the uh, OVAs and doesn't even appear in the uh, Tenshi universe, which is, which is funny. But they had, you know, their, that's where their badass scenes were. And... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And the... Uh, uh, another one of the uh, series where I had a particular favorite number six was uh, Bubblegum Crisis, the original OVA's, because that was their confrontation with Largo, and uh, you got to see... Uh, a whole bunch of things, and he got shot with a space laser, and I'm like, okay, that that was all kick-ass. So, <laughs> I was looking for other things back in the day, where if it had past six episodes, did I like, did I end up liking the sixth episode best? Was that simply the way that they were pacing things? Were they doing, like, two uh, OVAs a, a year, or a, at a point where they were all kind of focusing towards uh, something in episode 6 tended to deliver, like, the combat climax of it. But, uh... Now, do you know about... Since I brought uh, Bubblegum Crisis up, do you know, you know, kind of, some of the weird lore at why this is connected with Bubblegum Crisis?
0: No, I actually don't.
1: There's... uh... I mean, the studios that were working on it, uh, Bubblegum Crisis was done by ArtMick at the time, but uh, in conjunction with AIC, uh, AIC pretty much did everything Tenchi-related and would go on to El Hazard and and other stuff like that. But the... uh, You know, the the creative directors, I forget if they were director directors, but the the creative forces behind a lot of the bubblegum crisis OVA stuff um, wanted to make a light-hearted bubblegum spinoff. I guess he was seeing a a trend of a bunch of characters, uh, a bunch of girls around a guy or a bunch of characters of one gender surrounding a single character of the other gender and of course the whole Nightsaber squad is all female the only guy there is Celia's brother Mackie and uh, I guess they were chatting about you know how to make this sort of a comedic spin off of it and what kind of uh, hijinks they could do I mean Mackie was already perving on the uh, Uh, in occasional episodes in the original Bubblegum Crisis anyway. But that apparently is what evolved into, you know, spinning it into what became Tenshi Muyo at that point. there's uh, On neither of them uh, was there, you know, manga or anything to base it on. It was simply, what do we want to do here? So they started exploring uh, a comedic thing... You know, girls going to the hot springs rather than fighting boomers all day long, uh, and then they were mixing it around there. And I guess, I guess it wasn't as appealing to base it around a character like Mackie, and uh, just have them. So they created a a more colorful overall cast. Excuse me, to uh, to do it around so that uh, that evolved into Tenchi. And, uh, oh, that's
0: interesting. Learn,
1: learning, learning about that. I, I haven't delved hugely into the lore. That's sort of the surface level understanding of it. But uh, but because you still had the same sort of uh, creative uh, folks in there. And that's why someone, I guess, implied... This I, I didn't look into yet, but were implying that when it got around to, like, Tenshi in Tokyo time it seemed like there was more breakdown among the the various people who were in charge of uh, story direction and what and what they were doing with Tenchi, it's license. So, probably affected the series. It's something that I should look into at, at some point. I never watched uh, Tenchi in Tokyo back in the day. I did watch the movies, but I didn't watch the... Uh, I didn't watch any of the other stuff. I watched the pretty Sammy o- o- Ovas, but not the uh, TV series. So, uh, uh, definitely, in in my mind, you you mentioned it before. Since I'm staring at a picture of Mahoshi right now, that <laughs> she was she was one of the things that uh, made me have a real anti blonde bias back in the day. I mentioned it at, at least in part when we were doing Orange Road because Hikaru existed to be a not-good romantic character and a not-terribly-good comedic character, and she was just the annoyance in the way. I'm like, God Uh damn it, get out of the way! Obviously, the (laughs) show would have been pretty short without her there, but uh, (laughs) her voice grated on me, the the, uh, the very, you know, high-pitched voice, and Mahoshi's vocal mannerisms and all of that. That's the—that's one of those characters who, uh, you know, the dub is definitely better than uh, because they're not trying to copy uh, her voice actress there. Uh, Seiko from Project Aiko was the third blonde in that trifecta of hugely annoying characters.
0: Yeah, I can understand that one.
1: So Mahoshi is... Uh, pretty obnoxious in uh, the, the OVAs uh, but I end up liking her a lot more in universe because of her dynamic with Kione. first of all we get Kione. secondly they're there a lot more because Mihoshi kind of disappears and reappears at odder times in the OVAs Uh but she and Kyone have their own thing here and there as well. Uh, there are some, you know, heartfelt moments here and there. They, they're very, you know, Abbott and Costello y in nature. The, uh, you know, poor uh, uh, straight character and the, uh, uh, you know, their they're long suffering having to deal with their manic. Uh, other but uh because you also had them with the whole cast the whole time uh and having their own things with each other here and there she was fleshed out and i uh Mm -hmm. i liked it a bit more and uh, she wears a bikini well so you know there's that (laughs) too we got we got proof of that finally in uh in uh, Tenchi Universe, when they when they had their bikini contest, there was uh, there was a lot of nipply bits in the uh, in the original OVAs. That's it. Certainly feels like the era where uh, topless uh, gals was all the rage. Uh, yeah, it's so, hard
0: to imagine that it's that in another timeline. Tenshi Muyo would have been my first pair of anime titties as opposed to Project
1: Eiko. Ah, Eiko. Nice. Mine was, uh... Actually, I'm forgetting if there were bare breasts in Bubblegum Crisis 1. There was definitely... That was definitely the first panty scene, but... Uh... I don't recall if there was uh, full-on nipple in bubble uh, bubblegum crisis. Probably at some point, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, so I think that ended up being Gray Digital Target instead. Ah, okay. But uh, Gunbuster was more the uh, you know the more of the formative thing, the the Gynax bounce. Yep. Got a, got a, uh, a Gynax bounce in one of the sheets as well. But, uh, <laughs> You know. The important yeah. stuff.
0: Of course.
1: Uh, so were there any particular arcs or, you know, uh, the... the, the particular fun or the particular kinds of humor that, uh, that, uh, you liked most, or you just appreciated the overall humor level that was carried throughout?
0: I enjoyed the overall product. Uh, I think if I had to choose a side story that I really enjoyed, it would be the bounty hunter who appeared every so often.
1: Yeah, Nagi. Nagi could have been bad. I mean, you had the, uh, you had the Ryoko clone in zero in the OVAs and then they merge at some point. Uh, but then you, you, instead of getting an an exact clone, you get an antagonist, but, uh, she never overstays her welcome. And, uh, she, uh, uh carries herself well overall. And again, uh, Gets to win the bikini contest, so you know <laughs> that's good too. Indeed. I think when they were when they were telling the uh, the multiverse tales in uh, Tenchi, and obviously, pretty Sammy spins off that because one of the multiverse tales in in universe is precisely magical girl show starting uh, starring Sasami. you don't do yeah. much in it because they're most of the time they're only half episodes if that uh... <laughs> I definitely enjoyed Keiones where she's uh, traveling up north but was was that the kind of thing that you wanted to see more of? I was I ended up having a lot of fun at that time period in universe and I'm like, I would like to see Multiverse come back again.
0: Uh, The Multiverse stories were fun for their time length. I think they lasted the perfect amount of time, though. I wouldn't have wanted to see them continue on for a whole lot longer. Uh, My personal favorite was Ayaka's story. I thought that that one was really fun. And I thought that it was a really interesting little twist on a period piece.
1: Right. Tenchi was uh, certainly getting carted around by Ryoko all the time, <laughs> in all of them. Uh, amusingly, in everyone's perfect world, the only one who's actually married to uh, Tenchi at some point is Mahochi, which is funny. <laughs> I guess with uh with Ryoko it's about the journey and with Ayaka it's about the uh the the chase being able to claim him as were. <laughs> but uh I'm trying to remember this there's, this there's I feel like there is a bunch of you know, cultural things that came through Tenchi because they were you know, sort of uh, anime tropes as it were, not uh, stylistic, but uh, but stuff that goes on there. I did notice uh, in the universe one of the things that annoys me, and I assume it's because they haven't redone the subtitling in forever. Uh, you, I assume, also watched the dub there? Yeah, I watched it dubbed. I wasn't, wasn't sure if uh, the, the waifu preferred uh, one way or the other for that, so uh, might have uh, demanded subtitles. That would have been interesting.
0: <laughs>
1: but, uh,
0: no, we watched it dubbed.
1: In English, when Washu was being introduced... There were a lot of, uh, you know, Japanese folklore that was there, but they were translating. Washu was referred to not as a yokai, but as a goblin. Uh, And uh, uh, Grandpa asked Tenchi if uh, he was tricked by a fox, whereas they're talking about Kitsune. And then uh, mentioned, uh, you know, another thing about a raccoon, but of course they're talking about a tanuki. And then Washu transforms them into water sprites at the end, which are kappa. And it was all in the course of that one episode, and I felt like I was being force-fed one of those things where it annoys me that they're trying to... Instead of just doing... The, the actual word using the Japanese word, which introduces people to the folklore, they can look it up, they can get the concept of it from that rather than a, a fake parallel that makes less sense when you when you talk about a fox tricking someone is like, what, what the heck do you mean? I mean, foxes are reputedly tricky, but people don't outside of Aesop's fables don't talk about being a tricked by a fox so you don't get when you're referring to real animals you don't get that folklore kind of connection if you're translating that in the dubs do you recall what they were doing
0: no i don't recall the exact language or words that they used
1: it didn't stick out to you though so uh now maybe that's not something that would stick out to you in general but uh <laughs> it bugged me a whole lot. It bugged me a whole lot more than it should. But I've I've been getting that uh, from a lot of ways things are translated when the uh, when the honorifics go through something and it just turns into something that no English speaker would ever actually use. I'm like, oh, uh, uh the, the Bakuman manga does that all the time with people Calling uh, uh, people lady or Mister in a f- in a fashion that they would not do. So, same same thing. I find with the cultural elements, uh, I feel like I feel like modern stuff has gotten a lot better about it. So it just feels like this was, uh, I guess, early enough that uh, it, it was never done you know we were still in turning onigiri into jelly donuts days so uh expecting that they would uh refer to yokai probably was uh beyond me <laughs> 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 but because they had so many of that one episode it drove me nuts what what do you feel like your chances are that you're going to continue with other things like the uh the movies which are following on the universe timeline or or revisiting Pretty Sammy or trying out Tenchi in Tokyo? Uh,
0: Tenchi in Tokyo, I probably won't because I've had people on Twitter yell at me yeah. desperately to avoid that one at all costs.
1: Amusingly, that makes me curious now because i'm like well now now i want to watch it if it's a train wreck uh
0: i don't know if i will continue on with tenchi i had a really good time with it but i don't know if i really feel the need to delve even deeper into the story i think universe did a pretty good job with it and wrapped it up well in 26 episodes
1: I think it might be worth doing the uh, the movies. I remember okay. feeling good about the way forever ended. Uh but yeah, after that point I I never really cared about anything else. G, GXP, War on Geminar, uh Tenchi in Tokyo. I'm like why do I want a an, an expanded here. Here he's going off I guess to college and uh meeting some random other chick there and it's like now with another member and uh they're trying to sell me on a uh relationship from that direction I'm like you know what nah but uh i think the movies are probably worth it but that's the limit of where i went as well i, I haven't been interested in any of the other stuff so the only new tenchi that i've Watched as a part of this was I. I did watch the uh, the aughts uh, season three or the the third series of the Ryoki OVA timeline, and it was definitely confusing. And oh man, I found something to hate. You didn't. You wouldn't have gotten there, I don't think. But I found something to hate more than Mahoshi herself, which was her brother, who came out of nowhere. And is a huge SISCON. And, uh... Well, I guess if you watched three episodes, you probably did get him right away. But he, yeah, he hangs around. God, he comes back him. again. I'm Like, oh, God. Uh the, the fact that he comes into play and does stuff. And that they didn't weave him in well. And then they end with him and another character. I'm like, why am I supposed to care about these people? So, again, it's like, yeah, did they get introduced in... In GXP, because that was a longer series and had Galaxy Police stuff, and that's he was Galaxy Police. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know, but it was it was real not good. <laughs> <laughs> they were just poor antagonists. In the in the end, you have uh, I feel like Lady Tokimi had something in another one. You got. Uh, if you remember from the OVAs, Dr. Clay was uh, a servant of a particular. You saw a visage of, uh, you know, a, a haughty, evil uh, looking uh, a woman, and you said, okay, here, here's the big badass later. And she does show up in the third series, but she shows up not really as an antagonist, and in this. God Trinity with Washu and Tsunami and something. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And <laughs> I guess Takibi had more going on. And again, one of the other uh, things where it's at least implied that, uh, you know, you were you introduced to the character in one of them. Um, so you should, you don't need to have development in the other one, they sh- they're showing up in the OVAs, but you already know what to expect, I guess, uh, or else they didn't really think through that either. So very, very weird. Uh, I don't know if I'll pick up anything else other than uh, since I've been in a Tenchi mood, trying out uh, uh, Tenchi in Tokyo just out of morbid curiosity. <laughs> I do think life needs more chibi humanoid Ryoki doing her meow 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 meow.
0: I actually bought my wife a Ryoki backpack as a present a few years ago. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is now, but I did buy her a Ryoki backpack.
1: Nice. Uh, Rio Oki is uh, the first con plush I purchased, and I have her sitting on top of a bookshelf, within sight of me. And I also bought one for my mom because Rio I I don't really care. Rio is just weird and cute, and uh, <laughs> that's that's all you need. Really, you don't need to watch the the anime to think that cabots are the best idea. <laughs> And if they can, uh, uh, transform into spaceships, that's fine too.
0: So, uh, did you have any other points or questions or anything you wanted to bring up?
1: Well, not questions, but, uh, since we went through, you know, the, the voice cast and other stuff, I guess, uh, 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 you don't get the connection since I'm I'm sub your your dub, but uh, if you recall, back when we were doing, um, Maharamatic, uh-huh. and I was like, "There's that sensei, you know, the pervert sensei." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and I immediately recognized her voice because that's Ayaka's voice. Which is so, it, it occupies such a uh, weird dimension. Not one that I like. I love Ryoko's voice a lot more. And of classic era voice actresses, Ai uh, Orikasa, who is Ryoko's voice actress, is one of my favorites, just behind uh, Hiromitsuru, who did uh, Madoka from Orange Road. And literally, it's like those roles which implant my uh, my love of their voice uh, and of their melodiousness. And Irie uh, uh, Casa in fact, did a lot of the songs uh, openings or not really openings, rather but uh, endings for uh, for Tenchi that were going along. Uh, and there are a bunch of character songs with them as well. But uh, so I just had to bring up Maharamatic in reverse because now we have her formative. This is her uh, her alpha stage as <laughs> uh, Aeka, and I do enjoy her conveyance. Certainly, I mean she's the oh ho 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 Ojosama, uh writ magnificently large with uh, one of the most iconic laughs you can get out of that uh, archetype. Uh, uh, she's a horrible singer. <laughs> so bad. Uh, <laughs> so it was weird to to hear her come back because with a lot of these characters, uh, there's a, a lot of them that basically... You know, they were part of Tenchi Gang, and a few of them show up in other stuff, but most of them didn't really have a whole lot more going on. Unlike Megumi Hayashibara, who was in literally every, you know, iconic show in the 90s (laughs) and, and stuff like that, and still has a lot of parts. You have a lot of people who had very few parts, like maybe between one and two dozen parts, which. If you think about it, for anyone who's had parts between the '90s and the '2010s, if they only had one to two dozen over the whole thing, it's like wow, they they were really not much used, and they largely came back to keep playing the role that uh, that they're best known for. So, uh, 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 even Ryoko's to uh, a do. De- agree is that, uh, she was, uh, one of the, uh, Gundam Wing gang, which was fun. But, uh, I think Chisa Yokoyama, who's Sasami's voice actress, did a little more. Uh, and you would know her as, uh, Sakura Shinguji. So, uh, I don't think she sounds terribly Sasami-like in that role. Or,
2: no, uh, not really.
1: Also, you don't know from that because, uh, I never know what ones you're actually going to watch subtitled. I, I guess you don't watch anything subtitled if you if you have a choice. So seasonals you'd be familiar with, but probably not anything you picked up back in the day or go back to. Has yeah, anything that's
0: other? Per, that's pretty accurate.
1: Has anything other than uh, of what we've covered, has anything other than uh, Nodame Cantabile forced you to subtitle?
0: Uh, trying to think. I think I've watched pretty much everything dubbed.
1: Okay. Yeah, they're. Most of what we're doing are are things that, you know, dubs will exist for. So. Mm-hmm. But, uh. But Kion's voice actress and Washu's voice actress and Mahoshi's voice actress, you'd usually think that they're, you know,. Of people, you you get them for something. You keep bringing them back, and they're fairly prominent, Uh, but they kind of have very very low uh, part count over decades that they've been at it. So it's it it's a little bit weird to to register that. Uh, For all of them, Tenchi himself, I recognize a lot of uh, Yusaku from Orange Road in him. And uh, appropriately, he's the main character from Oh My Goddess as well. But uh, I didn't get much from him lately. I think the only one who had a real huge uh, career was uh, Kenichi Ogata, who's, again, one of the two Guardians. Uh, uh, and he was, he was in a titanic amount of stuff. And I still hear him all the time. I think a lot more kids shows. He's got <laughs> such a humorous resonance to his voice that uh, I think people want to keep picking him back up. I mean, AIC as a studio was largely uh, doing, you know, big stuff back in the day. Vampire Princess Mew, Battle Athletes, and and Victory. They were part of the Lotus television series. Uh Artmic before that, was doing Bubblegum Crisis, Goal Forest, Dungahio, uh, and then into Tenshi. Uh, I think they did, uh, with one of the uh, directors of the second and third OVA series, that they did uh, Megazone 23 Part 3 together as well, which is the weird one. But there's not, not a whole lot... That I can connect them to, you know, recent stuff. I had better luck with uh, with Black Butler on that front. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: now this is one thing where the music sits with me pretty huge as well. The uh, that first opening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The instrumental synth, the interesting quality. I, I just kind of love the, uh, the particular what feels like uh, Japanese uh, authentic musical stylings. you got the chantings and the, the kind of things where they're, you're getting the, the woodblock effects uh, in it, both as sound effects and as parts of music. But it has a, a an interesting what certainly for the time it felt like a futuristic sort of drive to it. In the yeah, in the way was, they were doing a lot of it. That was one thing that my wife and I both
0: found really. We didn't. I wouldn't say that we found it to be bad, but it felt really weird with how much anime we usually watch that has these upbeat poppy you know jingly songs that get caught in your head and right. then and even with this one you we were expecting the same thing because the tone of the series is so lighthearted, but instead it's this deep booming driving <laughs> sci-fi <laughs>
1: rhythm i know i'm I... For, for me, the, the first opening for that is, is hugely iconic, and I, I love that one quite a lot. Uh, for the second OVA series, the, uh, the uh, I'm a Pioneer, that's uh, Chisa Yokoyama's voice actress doing the singing on it. Uh, Sasami's, rather, voice actress. Chisa Yokoyama is the voice actress. Uh, <laughs> it would be interesting if she also had a voice actress. She doesn't do anything herself. It's a little tiny person inside her, and I uh, I really liked that Tenchi universe opening mm-hmm. as well. Uh, I picked up the Sonia Wonderland uh, CD, and I picked up a, a number of Tenchi soundtracks, and uh, they had all of those character songs in them, which is how I know that. Yumi Takada is a really bad voice actress. (laughs) uh, There are many tracks that I would, I would go back to them out of curiosity again, but, uh, but I would just have to skip them. I'm like, Oh my God, you died. This is pain. This is pain. But, uh, so when they were singing the karaoke on the, uh, like they bought the player and they were all having these breaks and singing their songs. I'm like, I know all of these characters. They, they made an excuse in the middle of them. like They had a character song album, probably. And then they just decided to make that a plot point in the middle of uh, an episode. And just have an excuse for playing parts of the songs. And letting the audience enjoy those out-of-context things as uh, part of the show. Which I, I found amusing. But uh, the, that was probably the best part of the uh, OVA third series was elements of that original OVA uh, being brought back in a, in a somewhat expanded form in, the, uh, uh, in that opening. So I, I didn't like that one as much, but of course it's not as iconic for me, but I appreciated that they gave that particular opening a throwback.
0: So all right let's go ahead let's wrap things up at that point we've been recording for almost three hours so this is going to be all sorts of fun to edit
1: only three hours <laughs> mm.
0: so i right, uh did you have any closing comments
1: or anything that you wanted to because you say really quickly no uh i guess i just uh appreciate you being simply one hell of a podcast host
0: not a problem so thank you very much for joining me again for another fun discussion
1: uh, it was a it was a hoot so let's let's do this again with the single core thing real soon
0: yes indeed I <laughs> And thank you to all of you for listening. Remember that if you want to support us or you're enjoying what we're doing, please give us a like, share, or subscribe over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash otakureview. Uh, The new episodes go up there first, and then they will be going up on major podcast providers a week later. So if you want to be among the first to listen to these things, you'll want to check out our Patreon. Other than that, have a great night, everybody, and take care.
1: See you, Space Cowboys.